Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And so here we are again at the house of God, amen, celebrating him today, hallelujah. And if you'll just uh, afford me just a little bit this morning, look over any blunder that you may see today. If I get two words together that make sense, you thank God for it, all right? You just think, I'm going to read just one verse, of, a couple of verses of scripture there, and I ain't necessarily going to preach this morning, but I'd just like to talk to you if I can. Just talk to you from the word of the Lord. First Chronicles 15, verse number one. The Bible said, and David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Verse number 12 states these words. And said unto them, ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. This morning, I want to just speak to us, talk to us a little while on this title. I have prepared for it. I have prepared for it. Let us ask God to help us today. Father, I come to you right now. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, God, where life has been, Lord, over the past couple of weeks, and I'm asking, God, for your help this morning. Bring all things, Lord, to my mind's remembrance. I pray, oh, Lord, set the words from my lips in the proper order that it can be, Lord Jesus, beneficial to those that are sitting, Lord, before me today. God, if anything, let there be a principle, let there be a concept Lord, conveyed that we can all wrap our hands around and our minds around. God, perhaps implement that in our own lives. God, I thank you, Jesus, for your spirit. God, for your ever-present. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, today for this gathering together, Lord Jesus, of people between holidays. God, bless them for their efforts. God, to be in the house of the Lord. God, we'll praise you and thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Chronicles, the book of Chronicles is a recording of stories, many of the stories that we have already heard of or read about in the book of Kings. As a matter of fact, in the book of Kings, whenever you're reading some of the stories that are enlisted there, many of them will tell you that you can read of them further in so many words in the book of Chronicles where they have been recorded. And so what we read today in 1 Chronicles 15 is just a recording of a story that has previously happened in the book of Kings. To set the setting or the stage just somewhat, David has just been made king over the entire nation of Israel. He had been king over Judah, the southern tribe, but now he has all the nation of Israel to look over, give command and direction to And so as being now king over the entire nation and just not a segment of the nation, he makes his first move, as it were. It's important to denote, I believe, this morning that his first move as being the king over the entire nation was not a political move, was not a move of 
political correctness. But the first move that he made as a king over the entire nation was a spiritual move. It was a move that had the mind of God in it. One of the first decisions that David would make now as a collective king over the peoples of the northern and the southern tribes of the nation of Israel concerned a move that involved the Ark of the Covenant. Or as we have known throughout our lives, if you've been in church any period of time, that piece of furniture in the tabernacle that was revered and respected as the very presence of God. The first thing that David's mind fastened to being king is somehow getting the presence of God where the presence of God needed to be and where the presence of God ought to be for his nation. We read earlier in the Chronicles and even earlier in the book of Kings, I believe it is 1 Kings or 2 Kings or Samuel, rather 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we read of the recording of David going to the the, 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 the house there uh, there in Kirjath-Jerim going to get the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house rather and he goes there and he gets a new cart the Bible says to put the Ark of the Covenant on he gathers together some people he has some music that is played there's a little bit ado if you will made about bringing the Ark of God back to Jerusalem we might ask ourselves the question why is it that David at this particular time why was it that he chose a, a, a cart to put the ark of God on? And I believe perhaps somewhat of the answer is in the history of how the cart had how the ark had been moved previously. Because several years ago, maybe almost even a hundred years ago from that moment of time, the Philistines had put the ark of God on an ox cart to send it back. Amen. Although that was not the intention that God intended for the ark, for his presence, people that were not in covenant with God had no relationship with God. They didn't know anything else to do or concerning the ark of the covenant. The Bible tells us even, folks, and it's interesting for us to read and to consider that whenever the Philistines went into the camp of the Israelites and that they stole the ark of the covenant, and they stole it away. The Bible says that they gathered some of the lords of the Philistines together. Brother Zach, you're just going to have to row with me a little bit this morning. 1 Samuel 5 and verse 8 is the recording of this. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 5 and verse 8, They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark, with, with the, with the ark of the God of Israel? They had just stolen it from the Israelites. They brought it to their own land, their own country. They gather all the people of respect, leaders of high rank together. They have, if you will, the presence of God in their midst. And they're asking the leaders, they're asking one another, what shall we do with the ark of God of Israel? They're not in covenant with God. They've not entertained anything concerning the will or the purposes of God. They just knew it was important to God's people. And they stole it. And now they're asking themselves the question, now what do we do with his presence? Now what do we do with the Ark of the Covenant? Because if you're not in covenant with God, you have a hard time sometimes dealing with the presence of God. Don't know what to do with the presence of God. 
Don't understand what you're feeling. Don't understand what you're looking at. Don't understand what you're experiencing. The Bible says they answered, let the ark of God of Israel be carried about into Gath. And they carried the ark of God of Israel about hither. We understand through scripture, they didn't know what to do with the ark because they had made no preparations for the ark. They didn't know where to put it, how to order themselves around it because they never made any preparations for it being a part of their life. Never made any preparations for it being integrated into their life. So they didn't know what to do with it. The Bible says that they said it in the house of Dagon. Said it even beside this God called Dagon. And the next morning the Bible says that Dagon was fell upon his face. His hands, he was off of his stump, if you will, across the threshold. The people who served him had to come and set him back up right. And the next day, here he is again, fallen upon his face. Let me tell you something about the presence of God. When you don't prepare a place for the presence of God in your life, God will make a place. When you don't prepare a spot or section, a holy spot for God to take up residence in your home or your family, God will start shoving things down in order that he'll have a proper place in your home and in your family. Dagon was fallen because God says, you didn't prepare me a place. And if you didn't prepare me a place, but you got me in your house, then I'm going to have to make space for my presence. I'm going to have to make space for my glory. Folks, there is coming a day the scripture speaks of that his glory shall cover the earth even as the water covers the sea. How is that so, Pastor McGee? It won't be because everybody's prepared a place, but it'll be because God will make room for himself to show forth his power and to show forth his glory and his wonder. So people out of, of, of covenant with God, they don't know what to do with God. They don't know what to do with the presence of the Lord. They don't know what to do, where to put him, how to conduct themselves around him. And the Bible says then later, this ark of the covenant, this presence of the Lord is still within the hands of the enemies. First Samuel 6 and verse 2, brother Zach. First Samuel 6 verse 2, it's still within the hands of the enemies. They have sent it back now on an ox cart. Amen, which is probably maybe where David got the idea of when he went to get the ark to put it on an ox cart because those that were not in covenant with God did that. But folks, we can't treat the ark the same way those that are not in covenant with God treat the ark. And they seemingly got by with it, but David and his people did not. It's because we have a greater knowledge about his presence a greater knowledge about who God is, and as a result of it, we're held to a higher level of accountability, what we do with that presence, how we prepare for that presence, how we conduct ourselves around that presence. And so they sent it and went to Beth Shemesh. The Bible says they took off the lid and many of them suffered their lives. They died. And the Bible even tells us concerning here, now while it was still in the hands of the Philistines, they're pondering what shall we do with the ark. First Samuel 6 verse 2, the Bible says, and the Philistines called for the priests and for the diviners saying, now look, they switched it a little bit because they say now what shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. In other words, when they couldn't figure out what to do with the ark, they said, now what shall we do to it? 
If I can't somehow find a place to absorb it within my life, I don't know what to do with it, then people begin to attack it. Mm -hmm. If they have no sanctioned area in their life for it, then they'll do anything they can against it. It's just a, a, a process uh, a process of thought, a process of handling. If I have no place for it, then I got to work against it. And we live in a society today because there's been no preparations. There's been no forethought for a place or a position or a location for God in their life. And having then no place for him, they turn against him. And so what they have no place for, they now attack. What they have no place for, they now speak against. What they have no place for, now they have rude words for and they have actions and deeds that are contrary to because they could not find a place for it because they did not prepare a place for the ark of God or the presence of the Lord. Can someone say amen? And so David, in his first attempt to get the ark of God, he's gonna bring it about. He has some people. He has some singers. He has some people that's going to be ready, amen, to sing and put it on an ox cart and bring it back. But his first attempt was nothing but failure. Amen. He, he, he was maybe very pure in his attentions because he wanted to get it back. Because in his predecessor, the days of Saul, nobody paid any attention to the ark of God. Saul, the Bible says, did not inquire of the ark of God during his days. And so I see David having good intentions, having a sincere desire, but somewhat haphazardly putting something together, somewhat haphazardly making preparations for something that deserved a whole lot more than what he first threw together. Grab just a few musicians over here and a couple people over here and let's get this old cart and let's set it on there and let's make a makeshift effort, if you will, to bring the presence of God back to Jerusalem, but it miserably, miserably failed. Not a new cart, not an old cart, but the shoulders of men it needs to be on. They played their songs, amen, with all of their might, but we never read in the first attempt that there was any sacrificing, that there were any lambs, that there were any bulls, that there were any blood that was shed. And here, folks, out of all of that, out of missing sacrifices, missing the Levites, that the shoulders should be carrying this ark of the God, the presence of the Lord, the major component that was missing in all of this is that David had not prepared for the presence of God. David had not prepared for the presence of God. That's the reason why in my scripture text this morning, uh, 1 Chronicles 15, it is the account uh, of reflection of David going and getting it the second time. Because before he goes and gets it this time, that three-month interval of time that it's at Obed-Edom's house, David evidently was making preparations because he knew God's presence deserves a place. God's presence deserves a place all by itself. And so I'm gonna make preparations I'm not gonna bring God's presence here and then make room. I'm gonna make room and then I'm gonna bring God's presence here. I'm gonna prepare a place for his presence. You can read it, folks. 1 Corinthians 15, he's setting up household. He's given certain people 
definite responsibilities when they were to bring the ark of God back. Certain ones, he named them by name, who they were. He didn't just say, hey, can you do this or can you do that? You'll do all right. No, that wasn't it. He said, I want the best person on the trumpet. I want the best person that's gonna be singing the song. The Bible says he chose somebody that was skillful in singing. He didn't just want some Johnny come lately. He wanted the best singer to be singing the song. Why? Because I'm preparing a place for the presence of God. I want the best people to lay their lips to the trumpets and let them sound. I want people that's skilled in knowing how to put the cymbals together and the psalteries and the hearts together. I want the best musicians, those who are regularly attending the doors and doorkeepers, I want them right there. The best of the best, I'm gonna assign you to that and I'm gonna assign you to that and I know you're well for doing that so I'm gonna put you right there and I'm not going by myself and it's not just gonna be a handful of us but I want the whole nation of Israel that I am king over we're all going to bring the presence of the Lord back we're all going to bring the ark of the covenant back because we for the past three months been preparing a place and I will not be disappointed when it gets here because I've been spending some time making preparations for his habitation right here I tell you one thing this morning. I'm not surprised whenever I come into church sometimes and I feel his presence and I experience his presence and I feel the glory of the Lord. Why? Because I sense in the lives of the people that I pastor in my own life that up until the time and moment of that service, there's been some people laying their lips to the trumpets. There's some been some people pushing some furniture by, preparing a place, if you will. They've been making a location, a spot in God house that God if you want to come by today we've already made a spot for you we've already prepared a place for you we're not just haphazardly throwing this thing together thinking maybe he'll come by no we've made a spot for your presence we're looking forward to it we're expecting it we prepared a place for it Folks, we're not living among one another. Brother Terry, I'm not looking at you and you're not looking at me as those outside of covenant and saying, what shall we do with the presence of the Lord? I tell you, folks, people that have prepared a spot know exactly what to do with the presence of the Lord. Go before him with singing. Go before him with praising. Go before him with sacrificing. The best sacrifice you got, that's how you prepare for his presence. Someone say amen. Amen. (laughs) Because the Bible plainly says, don't let me forget to put that in the plate. The Bible plainly says in 1 Chronicles 16, 1, even verse 12, David said, you may bring up the ark of the Lord God in verse 12 of Israel. And to the place I have prepared for it. In 16.1, he said, so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. I think and I wonder sometimes we have difficulty experiencing his presence could sometimes be linked to our lack of preparation 
of a place for it in our lives. Bible, I understand through Scripture, and maybe this is the case in our everyday lives. I've left services. People say, man, tell you what, wow, can't believe that God, God came into that service like that. Just can't believe this happened or that happened this evening or tonight. And I'm not saying this is a rule of thumb always. There's always exceptions to the rule. But could it be those that are surprised by God's presence are the ones that had made no preparations for God's presence? Because when you make space for it, you expect it to show up. his presence is commonly housed in the midst of a prepared place and while some may be surprised there's others that are not surprised because they're just experiencing exactly what they had been preparing Bible tells us in the book the book of Genesis chapter 28 and verses 16 and 17 brother Zach we've read these scriptures multiple times no doubt you have well in the course of your life the Bible says that Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said surely the Lord is in this place And I knew it not. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Jacob was at Bethel. That was formerly known as Luz. This is not the first time we see Bethel mentioned in Scripture. Abraham and his journey to the promised land built an altar just a small distance from Bethel, the house of God. But Jacob has been asleep in this location. Angels ascending and descending from a ladder. He wakes up and says, surely The Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. How can you say that, Jacob? How can you make such a remark that you didn't know the presence of the Lord was in a place? Because Jacob at this time is fleeing, if you will. He's been estranged from his brother, estranged from his household. He's fleeing, if you will, from this place of his homeland. He's not been preparing a place for the Lord. He's not made any preparations or space at Bethel for God. It's just that all of a sudden he wakes up. He has this God moment, God experience, and he says the Lord is in this place. He's somewhat afraid. He calls it a dreadful place. Dreadful place, sometimes even known as a barren place. But little does he know that years before his footsteps ever passed by that way, 
years before he ever laid his head upon a rock as a pillow. There had been the father of the faithful, Abraham, that had trudged that same journey and had built an altar very close to that location. And by building that altar, Abraham had already set the table for his presence and prepared a place. Jacob entered the place that somebody else had prepared and reaped the benefits of his presence of a place that somebody else prepared. I want you to know this morning, if you ever come in the house of God and you're surprised that he shows up, you may be reaping the benefits a place that somebody else prepared for the Lord made preparations for months through prayers and tears and supplication and you better thank God that you've walked into a prepared place that you made no contribution to but yet got the benefit from amen prepared a place for it David did. We see something very similar. Very similar. Everybody doing all right? See something very similar in New Testament scripture. <laughs> the Bible speaks of a setting that Jesus oftentimes made trips to Jerusalem. Oftentimes. But normally whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, he did not stay in Jerusalem often whenever he visited Jerusalem that's not the place where he laid his head that's not the place where he abode often whenever we see Jesus went to Jerusalem he stayed outside of Jerusalem about a mile or a couple miles away in a city by the name of Bethany he would go there but he would retreat from there and he would rest he would abide. He would have all times meals at Bethany. It was in the house there of one in Bethany. There were some friends of the Lord. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Here he was one to two miles from Jerusalem. Just, just happens to be perfect because on, on the times of feast and new moons and Sabbaths, uh, the law prescribed that they could not travel beyond a Sabbath day's journey. That was the limitation. And one to two miles was about a Sabbath day's journey. And so he would not be overstepping the law to travel from Bethany to Jerusalem to do what he needed to do. And so there he was staying at Bethany. He's visiting, he's visiting Jerusalem. He's having some activity in Jerusalem. But where he lays his head down at night, oft times, is Bethany. I want to submit to you this morning, the only reason why, the only reason why he could stay at Bethany. Furthermore, the only reason why Mary is oft times found and had the privilege of sitting at the feet of the master as he shared his pearls of wisdom, amen, and his presence, if you will, with her is because Martha invited Jesus into her home and had made preparations for his stay. We throw off on old Martha, bless her heart, but Jesus would have not had a prepared place in their house in Bethany had it not been for a Martha 
that made preparations. And as a result of Martha making preparations at Bethany, he didn't stay in Jerusalem. He stayed where a place was prepared. He didn't stay where the synagogue was, where the scribes and the Pharisees were. He stayed where there was a prepared place. And he came in and Mary reaped the benefit of her sister preparing. He didn't stay in the church. He stayed where somebody said, I got food ready for you. I got the bed ready for you. I got a place that is prepared for you. Church family, I'm telling you, in the year 2015, I want to be guilty of over-preparing for the presence of the Lord. I want to make room. I want to make space. I want to make sure everything's right, amen, so that he can house himself in my life. A prepared place. Amen. The Bible says John 15, John 15, 15. And I beat you. If you beat me or I beat you, whoever gets there first, you Bible drill with that and I'll Bible drill with this. John 15, 15. Thank you. Almost a tie. The Bible says henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Listen. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. When he came to Bethany, he was staying in the house of his friends. Martha had prepared a spot for the Lord. He considered them friends. Only place you see the Lord weeping in Scripture, it's at the grave of Lazarus because he loved him much. That was his friend. Yet Scripture says servants don't know what their Lord or their master does. He says, but those that enter that innermost place of friendship with him, he divulges to them what he does, when he's going to do it. And sometimes even why he is doing it. Folks, the Bible tells me, and I don't know if I got all this here today, but I'll find it. The Bible tells me, in other words, when you prepare a place for the Lord, you're preparing for his presence, and you're preparing for the formation of a relationship that could evolve into friendship. That with the perks of friendship, the master includes you in what he's going to do. Someone hear me what I'm saying right now. The, the Bible tells me, and let me, let me, I think I got it here if I can go on my history of my Bible on, on, on my thing here. But if not, I'll just think of it. It's in Genesis, I think, chapter number 18. If memory serves me right. Genesis chapter number 18. Sodom and Gomorrah, it's a place of wickedness. Horrible wickedness. Abraham's relation. Lot has went down there. Has pitched his tent toward that direction. He dwelt in that land. Became a magistrate in that land. Lingered there whenever it was time to go. And Sodom and Gomorrah's fate is being weighed in the balance. The time of their doom and despair. The clock is ticking. That hour has just about come to pass. But the Bible says prior to this happening, there are three men that came unto 
Abraham. <laughs> this man that had been a preparer of places for the presence of the Lord. This man that has been called in other passages of scripture a friend of God. A friendship had been honed out of his, his diligent care to make sure God had a place in his life. His father was Terah. He was, he was a pagan man, but whenever God said, leave your country and leave your home, Abraham said, I'll go. And by doing so, he was preparing a place <laughs> for God in his life, this friend of God. And so before these three, and from wall I can gather, it's only two that actually go to Sodom and Gomorrah. One remains behind. It's this one that Abraham is addressing as Lord. The Lord must have came down in some type of bodily form and was speaking to Abraham. But as he comes down and talks to Abraham, the Bible says this in Genesis 18 and verse 16. And the men rose up from hence and looked toward Sodom. It's speaking of these three men, heavenly, heavenly beings that come to visit Abraham they looked toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way and look what's about ready to happen and the Lord said shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do in other words we are on a journey right now to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah Abraham has family there and he, the Lord speaking almost to himself is saying, shall I hide from Abraham, my friend? Shall I hide from my friend? Should I hide from this man that is carefully and oftentimes prepared places for my presence? Shall I hide from him the thing that I'm about ready to do? And the Bible goes on in verse 18. He said, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for I know him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And what God does in the next few moments is divulge to Abraham, his friend, this man that God knows and tells him, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Folks, whenever you prepare a place for God and you get to know God and God gets to know you, he'll swing by your household before he starts doing anything just to clue you in about what he's thinking about doing. When you forge a place for God, God will come in sometimes and begin to share what he's on the verge of doing. Do we do not, do we not see in the rest of the scripture of that particular chapter? Here's Abraham bargaining with God. If there's 10 righteous, will you do 10? If there's this many, will you do this many? God all the way down just to a few. Amen, five. He's going down the line. Amen, if there be one, if there be 10, he gets all the way down. He's bargaining with God. How in the world can you do that, Abraham? Abraham, because I'm in covenant with God because I've made a place for the Lord oftentimes because I'm more than a servant I'm a friend of God yes, 
Let me tell you, out of covenant, don't prepare places. You're barking up one of the tallest trees to think that you would, could do like Abraham and say, what about 50, God? What about 45? What about 40? What about 35? What about 30? Forget it. But God says, I know Abraham. I know this is something. I know this whole concept of me having a place in his life isn't just going to be his life, but he's going to teach his children. I know that when Abraham is pushing up tulips, that he has invested something in his kids. He's grabbed little Johnny and little Susie next to him and said, kids, this is how you prepare a place for his presence. If you want God a part of your life, this is how you make a spot for God. If you want God in your decisions, this is how you make a spot for God. If you want God's blessing upon your field and upon your house, this is how you make a spot for God. If you want... He says, I don't want you to be surprised by his presence. I want you to walk your everyday life knowing, hey, I feel the presence of the Lord, but that's nothing new to me. I prepared for this thing being around. I prepared for his glory inhabiting my life. I made preparations. Says, you're not servants, you're friends, and as a result of this, says I share with you, share with you what the master is going to do. Shall I hide this from Abraham? No, he's not just an acquaintance. He's not just a Sunday morninger. He's not the one that just comes to me as a crutch. I know him. I know him. He's prepared places for me. I'm going to tell him what I'm thinking about doing. It would behoove us to have such a relationship with God that he would pass some things by us that he's thinking about doing just because we forged a relationship with him. The book of John recorded there is the baptism many of the gospels for that matter but recorded in John is the baptism of Christ and in other places of the scripture as well when John exclaimed behold the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world the different harmonies of the gospels it speaks of this particular occurrence at the baptism of the Lord, how there was a voice from heaven that thundered and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says that the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit descended upon him like, like, wasn't a literal dove came down. I know there's a lot of, talked about he said like a dove the spirit descended on him like a dove I've done some reading in the past year one of the books probably that I've read 
trying to get number 24 done before the year goes out. But there was a couple that owned a dove as a pet. And they would sometimes, Sister Craig, allow the dove outside of the cage. But from my understanding, the nature of the dove is they are somewhat skittish. There's a bunch of activity going on that, that, that doesn't create an atmosphere for them to be at ease at. They're a little skittish. They said over a period of time, learning the nature of the dove, they understood that if they ever wanted the dove to land on their arm or their fist like other birds do, that they had to create a place for it. They couldn't be making a lot of motion. They had to properly make a place for the dove to come down and land. Because if it didn't have the proper place, it would never land. The scripture says his spirit came down like a dove upon Christ. And if nature... And scripture is not going to contradict nature. If that's the case, it's because there must have been a place. There must have been a place prepared for the dove to land. Folks, I feel the spirit of the dove. Even this morning in this place, I do not want it to fly by. But I want to be a diligent David. Says I'm going to create a place just for it to land. Because I need that presence in my life. I need that presence in my household in the year 2015. I need that presence in the atmosphere of my church with the woes and the ills that may come and go. I need the presence of the Lord. And folks, it will be there. It will come because you and I have the great ability. We have also, if you will, uh, the privilege of preparing a place for it. So what are you saying, Pastor McGee? I'm saying do whatever you must do. Amen. Ascribe the right things to the right instruments. Get the best that you have out there. Do your sacrificing. Do your praying. Do your calling upon God. Don't look at your brother or sister and ask them, what are we going to do with this? Go at it. Prepare. 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 Become a friend of God and make a place for his presence in this coming year. If you'll stand with me this morning all across this place. Don't want to be surprised by it. Don't want to be surprised by it. Don't want to be surprised by it. I want to know it's there because I've made preparations. Listen, David was a man of war, right? He was not allowed to build a house for God. But he was allowed to prepare a place for his presence. See, David is a man of war, battle, warfare. That, that was his life. Woke up, went to sleep thinking battle and warfare. And listen to me right now. David knew what it took to prepare for battle. David knew what it took to prepare 
for warfare. He knew right well. He knew getting the men and their rank and their, their instruments of war in their hands. He knew very well the provisions that were needed for battle and for warfare. But listen to pastor this morning. You cannot prepare for his presence the same way that you prepare for battle. There is an Old Testament scripture. It speaks on two different occasions. It speaks about beating your swords into plowshares. And then beating those plowshares into swords. Sometimes, David, you can't prepare for battle the same way you prepare for his presence. Plowshare was nothing more but something that helped cultivate the soil. Kind of disc and turn over the soil. Make preparation for the seed. David, you got to take your sword that you're so used to using in preparation for battle. And you got to beat that right now into a plowshare. Because we're not just preparing for battle right now. We're preparing for his presence to make room for his presence. Can't confuse the two. David, you can't confuse the two. Because if you try to make preparations for his presence with an instrument of war, it'll never happen that way. You got to get that tool of cultivation out. You got to get that tool of preparation out. And he'll come. He'll come to the place that you prepared for it. There might be some, and we bow our heads here this morning, there may be some here today that say, Brother McGee, I've come here to church here often and on, and I've experienced, as it seemed, the presence of the Lord, but I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. Friend, let me tell you today, if that's the case, just allow God to start pushing aside the things that need to be pushed aside as he even did among the, the Philistines, and let God make himself then a place in your life. And after he's made a place, you'll know what is a suitable place for his presence. And you can then put forth the effort and the submission to create spaces, if I could call them God spaces, where his presence can come down, where they can abide. We need some God spaces in this place. These altars are open this morning. If someone would just say, Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.